This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Another couple of bucket listers for me today. Got to speak with uh, Ralph Boston last week. That was amazing. Really, really cool. I have Bob Braddy sitting to my right. Uh, longtime Jackson State baseball coach, National College Baseball Hall of Famer, Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer. Um, and, and I think I played at Florence High School and, and uh, coached there also, pitched at Jackson State. Um, and, uh, boy, I could go – we could talk the whole interview about the accolades, but I'm just glad to have you in, Coach. How are you? Hey, Jay, it's a pleasure, man. Thanks for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to come on the show and, and talk to you guys. I know you go back a way. I talked to you from years ago. seemed like it was forever. But, yeah. But uh, I was a young guy then. <laughs> now I'm an old guy. <laughs> so it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. What are you up to these days? I know you, uh, you were the athletic director at Jackson State up until about 2011, and I know there's been – I don't know. There's been touch and go with that position, and you've helped them through some interim spots, yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and uh, But what are you up to these days? Well, I tell you, look, it's a pleasure, and, and I have a lot to thank Jackson State for. And I was the athletic director there from 2006 to 2011. And believe it or not, we won something like 25 <laughs> championships, and, uh, and we'd like to get back to that yeah. uh, on, on that level. But uh, just enjoying retirement and and. Trying to pretend that I'm a golfer and <laughs> <laughs> I play when, when I can, and uh-huh. but uh, my main focus, my passion is to uh, to try and do something with our little kids and boys and girls from age seven and fourteen, and try to get them involved when they're out of school into recreation. Uh, uh, and Jay, I know you know that there's a correlation, there's a direct correlation between crime and the lack of our youngsters being involved in recreational activities and that seems to be following deaf ears in our community especially the the inner city you know and, and our philosophy is that you you give a kid a bat a ball a place to play and yeah you won't find them going astray absolutely so we're in levelwood south jackson with the with the bob brad little league we are we we are chartered by little league baseball of america mm-hmm. and hopefully we we're trying to get the hit run pitch baseball contest locally here for all the kids surrounding Jackson and all in Jackson. So if that materialized, you'll be, you'll be hearing more about that. All right. If somebody wants to help, you know, volunteer or, or uh, you know, donate to the cause or anything like that, what are some of the ways they can get in touch with you? Well, look, my, my, you can call me at 601-572-1434. Uh, um, we are very active uh, uh, trying to get the parents and the communities involved. And that's been really a, a, a pain a a thorn in our side that's trying to get the parents to realize that if you give the time to those kids when they are really young that six seven eight year old and when they get to be 13 and 14 you have more of a a control of them but we seem to work backwards we seem to wait until they get 13 or 14 and then we want to get them involved but the key is is to get them involved in an early age and and then that's our passion. We, we, we're working hard at that. So, yes, certainly we need all the volunteer and certainly a donation that, 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 that's available because 
we charge little or nothing. We, we, we don't turn any kid away. If a kid cannot afford to pay, then we find a way to sponsor them. But normally a $30 or $40 fee to buy the uniform is all that required. But the key is we don't turn anybody away. And certainly we need uh, individuals to come out and help us uh, uh, coach these kids and get them involved. It's not to make them professional ball players; It's to really uh, occupy time with them. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of caveats to it. You know, once you get a lot of kids, get the kids, get your hands on them, then there are a lot of caveats to this. You can have uh, counseling. You can have uh, uh, testing. There are a lot of things you can do. You can have tutors to come in, speakers to come into them, and mentors, and uh, it's very important to our organization. One of the guys I know you you have involved with is uh, one of your former players at Jackson State who played for a long time in the major leagues and is the he's the third base coach for the Detroit Tigers. Dave right Clark, now. Dave yeah. Clark. I tell you what, my man. I tell you what, uh, I would not have gotten the accolades that I have if it had not been for players like Dave Clark. And for every Dave Clark, there was another player. There's another here and there. Then I've had the fortune of having some good ball players, and not that necessarily I'm a good coach, but good players make good coaches. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, Wes Chamberlain. Uh, Marvin Freeman. Dennis uh, Boyd. Marvin Freeman. Yeah, Eric Sanders was his number one draft pickup. He's yeah. at Tugaloo now. And I tell you, uh, uh, the list goes on and on. But uh, those guys stay in touch. And uh, uh, one of the thrills of my life was when a kid called me back and said, hey, coach, how you doing? Uh, and Dave Clark is giving his time to come in here to do a clinic uh, a week from Saturday, February 3rd at the Bob Bradfield Jackson State University. So it's a free clinic for, for youngsters who are 7 through uh, 18 uh, through high school, and we invite them to come out and be a part of it. The park at Jackson State has your name on it, yes, right behind yes, home plate, yes. facing out to the crowd. <laughs> now, I know you are in that crowd watching JSU baseball all the time, and that's a great facility that, that they have. I'm really glad that they, they – that they they built them a really nice park there. They got downtown right behind the right. right center field wall. It's a cool place to watch a baseball game, and there's always a good team there too because yeah. Omar has done a great job with the team. Omar's You're- done an outstanding job, and I tell you what, and and that's one thing that I was talking to Omar and the athletic department about. We need to upgrade our baseball facility because baseball is, is such an intricate part of of college campuses now, and. And sometimes uh, universities don't realize the importance of athletics, not necessarily baseball, but it recruits students for you. You know, just yeah. think of Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and those guys. Sure, the academics is number one, but they sure get a lot of attention when they uh, number two in the nation in girls basketball and the football team and the Ole Miss. All those guys are doing good. So people need to realize that athletics is a call. All the academics is number one. Athletic is a calling card, and it's, 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 it's redundant upon them to do something to improve these kids. I, I think about the situation, uh, uh, Jay, that you know, they just cut out, they stopped golf at Jackson State. Yeah. Now, now Jackson State golf team was graduating something like 95% of their athletes. So if you're about academics, then what do you mean? Not what? to mention how many, I mean, they won the SWAC in men's and women's golf uh, every single year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Coach yeah. Payton, Eddie Payton was, Eddie does a good job. was phenomenal. Job. I mean, they were using conference championship trophies as like, doorstops and paperweights. They won so many of them. I mean, oh, yeah. They won both like 16 years in a row or something like that. Well, it, it did an outstanding job, but the losers are the kids. The kids yeah. who would have had an opportunity to come and get an education and go back into the community. And I say all the time is that uh, we are a product of what we send back out into the community. So 
if a kid comes to Jackson State and they graduate and then they go out in the community, then that's future students uh, for Jackson State University. So hopefully we'll get back on track. We got a new president, uh, 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 and, and and we just need and our alumni need to support athletics. Yeah, you know, Jay. There's, I'm gonna say this. You, I'm gonna say this, Jay. You probably, <laughs> I probably shouldn't. I'm probably gonna make some people mad. That's but okay. Take, take the football team for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, people rally around tailgating. You have more tailgaters than you do people inside of the game. So, and then people want to know why aren't the coaches winning and why aren't they getting good players when well, yeah. it takes money. And there's no reason why Jackson State shouldn't be able to sell fifteen to 20,000 season tickets every year. You know, you're talking about 2 or $3 million right there. Tickets up at $100, I think they're $75 for a season ticket. Yeah, it's very affordable. So I encourage our alumni to support the athletic program. Not only in football, but basketball, baseball, and right down the line. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. it's we could go a hundred different ways with this. Yes. I know you, as the athletic director, specifically at the time you were, the and, and with Jackson State. I mean, probably since nineteen eighty-five, and maybe before then. The, right. the constant question is, you know, the football team moving up to Division One A or exactly. FBS, and uh, that that's never really been the case. And I don't know if the ship has sailed now. I think there's 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 ways that they could maybe get to it but like you mentioned the money has to be there and it's not right now but right on campus football facility is a question and then you know uh you know they're they're trying to you know beautify certain parts of the the campus and all that ties in together but we could do an entire show on that yeah you know the the wind is fast is fast closing and i've always been an advocate that uh when the swag was strong and gone they that was a place to be but uh some people won't agree with me but i i think it's it's come a time when we need to consider moving beyond the swipe, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, maybe get into another league because we're in this capital city of Jackson. We have the avenue we, where we could bring forth supporters and, and revenue, and, and we lend that opportunity to pass. And I, now, don't get me wrong, I'm a swipe person, but, yeah. you know, but when I look in the newspaper and I see that now Jackson State and Alcorn and Valley has the lowest budget. Yeah of any schools in the conference. And then our fans want to know, why aren't we competitive? Why aren't the coaches winning? Yeah. Well, you know, you got to give them a – if I go to the field and chop cotton, I got to have a hole, I got to have a, a tiller. Yeah. So you can't put me out there with no tools to work with. And, <laughs> and expect <laughs> you know, production. Expect yeah, production, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, and I, we're running out of time here. I could talk to you all day about this stuff, but okay, there's one thing specifically I want to ask you about. Your first team. That was quote unquote Division One when the SWAC made the jump across all sports and moved up into Division One in 1978. You guys had a team that I, I want to say was like 56 and 20. Or I something know what like you're that. talking about. Um, and I, I don't think you know pollsters didn't know how to handle that situation back then. I don't think they were giving away automatic bids to every conference like they do now. But I just wonder how you know how much does that run through your mind? How good? that team was and and if it had an opportunity to showcase itself on a national level because you guys you you rubbed elbows with ron polks and hill densons and you guys played each other all the time all through the course of the regular season during the week and at smithwell stadium and everywhere else we had a great we had a great uh a great bunch of guys there who were talented of course one of the guys was dennis orkin board and uh uh and those people that year i think we won something like uh 20 some Ball games in a row, and we had about nine or ten guys off in that team to go to professional baseball. It was an awesome team, and uh, like you said, we were competing, and 
uh, and I have to take my hats off to Ron Polk. He was the first predominantly at white school yeah. to play us along with Ron Maestro down at the University of New Orleans. And, and man, look, uh, we, we had some great game, but time caught up with us. You know, you had the, uh, the uh, MP, not MPR, the, the scores where they had the AC, had to make certain scores on the ACT. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Proposition 48, what I want to say. Yeah. And a lot of our kids got caught up in not making an ACT score but they had the academic grade. I always thought it was unfair, but it was sort of the demise of, of, of us getting kids in school because then we were not able to get kids in school. We had to go to the junior college route. But yeah. that was a great team. Jay, you're years. right. Yeah. One of the most exciting teams that you they ever wanted to, to see. Uh, uh, man, you brought a joy to my heart when you mentioned that team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I know you, you look at, and, and if you look at the standings for Division One that year across college baseball, uh, the SWAC is just kind of sitting there, and you guys, I mean, I think your record was something like 56 and 21. Or right. It, it might have been better than that. It was in the 50s. It was yeah. in the 50s, yeah. And there's just, that you year, look at it in the tournament, and it's, there's, you know, you guys weren't year, invited. We, was there that, any talk about that? Were you close well, to you being know, invited? Well, you know, it was really based on your strength of schedule. We was the new kids on the block, and we were just getting into, uh, uh, you know, NC2A. We had gone to the NEIA uh few years in a row. We went out to Phoenix, Arizona and went to the finals out there against Grand Canyon. So we had some some of those same guys. So we could have we could have we could have competed. Then they had to where you had to get the automatic berth. Yeah. And of course then your strength of schedule had a lot to do. So if you don't win your conference, you don't get a chance to go. But we didn't have the automatic berth at the time. But certainly I, I in my heart I do believe that uh we would have been competitive at any level. I, uh, well, yeah, I think so too, especially in those days. And people talk about how back in the day, uh, you know, the, the the HBCU schools. It would have been great to see how they stacked up against the traditional schools right. on the football field. I right. don't think people ever really think about, well, you know, how that would have happened on baseball because it was it's the same principle. It would have been. Oh, man, I tell you, we, we're getting the cream of the crop. And I tell you what. Uh, you know, back in 74, when I first went to Jackson State, 73, we had a guy there named Cliff Marshall. He stole 50 out of 50 bases. Uh, <laughs> now he's a director of the Little League uh, in Mississippi. But uh, we've had some awesome athletes to come through there. And and now uh, uh, my, my cry is that people just don't, don't get down on athletics because athletics is a doorway to an education. And mm-hmm. it has provided an opportunity for a lot of our kids to be good citizens and to go out there and to graduate from a good program and then to go out there and be a, uh, a good person in, in, in the community. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Again, I mean, we just scratched the surface on everything we could talk about, uh, but uh, we're going to put the information for the Bob Brady Little League program that you have going on our website when okay. we put this episode up. And it's so great to talk to uh, you. Okay, and the clinic, don't forget the clinic is a week from uh, Saturday. It's a free clinic. and That's going to be at Bob Brady Field, Bob right? Brady Field in Jackson. Yeah, let's say that again now. Bob Brady Field. <laughs> I don't know that I could get used to having my name on a baseball field. And when having to reference that field, having to say my name, I'd, I'd be like, you know that park over there. I would tell you this, that we got to go. Uh, uh, my seat is out there under the scoreboard. Nobody knows it. And I sit out there and we have a little barbecue grill. And, and then I was out there so comfortable one time, and I was out there sleeping in my chair. Do you believe Rob J got that clip of that finger? Oh, I absolutely you know believe where he, went he to did. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great, it's a great atmosphere. Coach, thank you so much for your time. That's Bob Braddy, Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer, National College Baseball Hall of Famer. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we've got uh, 
Scott Barry, I almost said Hill Denson. Scott Barry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, on the program next. If you enjoyed this interview with Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame member Robert Braddy Sr., then you would probably enjoy our interview with Ralph Boston, Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer, first inductee in the National Track and Field Hall of Fame, Laurel native, and Olympic participant in the Rome, Tokyo, and Mexico City Games in the 1960s. Ralph's interview was on the January 18, 2018 edition of MPB's Season Pass. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio, along with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Proud to have Southern Miss's head baseball coach back on the program, Scott Barry. Coach Barry, thank you for your time this morning. How are you? Well, we're doing good, Jay. Just trying to get ready for this upcoming season. I'll tell you, uh, it's right. It's it's right upon us here, pretty quick. It really is. It always. I don't know why it is, but uh, you know, college football ends, and I think college baseball springs up on people quicker than a lot of people anticipate i know uh, you and the coaches are always on the lookout but um this is an interesting season your club is coming off a, a regional host and a 50 win campaign um and an overview what are some of the things that you were i guess most concerned about not initially concerned but what were the things at the top of your objective list as you headed into this off season well i guess number one is probably to replace three guys that uh, that opted to sign professionally last year, and that was McCarty, Braley, and Roberts. They were all juniors last year and, and had options of either coming back uh, for their senior year or, or signing. And certainly uh, they all signed, and they thought that was in their best interest and very supportive by me in that because I want them to do what they feel is best for them. But, you know, that leaves a hole for us that we really have to fill with and this year is, is a little different. You know, you're always asking uh, and looking, Jay, for a couple of guys to step it up that need to step their game up. But I think uh, this creates opportunities for more than just a couple of guys with this year. So I'm anxious to get us out here and uh, and, and see who, who has taken that step forward and, and trying to fill those holes where those three guys left us. I think with the amount of runs that you guys scored last year, I think people are. I think people think that Southern Miss is going to find a way to score runs. They're going to get theirs. Um, replacing a guy like McCarty on the mound, a guy who had who had thrown a, a ton of games for you. He was a, he was a veteran. Uh, had had been one of your go to guys basically for the minute he walked on campus. Um, how do you replace a guy with his leadership and a guy that's anchored your rotation for so long? And who are some of the guys you're looking at that may be uh, uh, out in the front of your rotation this year? Well, you know, certainly first, you know, you, you touched on one thing there with, with Kurt, and that was leadership. And, you know, you saw it on the field, the fans saw it on the field, but leadership goes much deeper than that. It goes in, in, in how the locker room is run and the chemistry that's, that is uh, is among the team. And you have to have those leaders that ensure that and, and instill that in the rest of the guys. And that's certainly what Kurt brought. So, you know, he'll be certainly missed on the field, but – uh, in the locker room and off the field, and the way he represented our program in the community, uh, our student athletic body. Uh, he was uh, 
one of the SAC members there. So he was an outstanding individual. You know, guys that have to be able to take that step forward for us, I think, you know, on that starting uh, pitching area, uh, J.C. Keys comes to mind. You know, he's a guy that had some starts for us last year that he's going to be a junior. He's certainly got the upside to, to be a quality pitcher. Uh, you know, and now's the year that he needs to take that game to another level. Colt Smith was a guy last year as a junior college transfer that came into us from Northwest Mississippi, had an outstanding first year. You know, we're really looking for him to do things for us on that on that weekend as well. Stevie Powers is another one. He's a left-handed junior. You know, he kind of mirrors uh, McCarty in, in what Kurt was able to do. So this is Stevie's third year. So I'm looking for him to, to, to take his game to another level as well. Got a couple other kids that I think that are in the mix. Alex Nelms, who is a true sophomore, really got his feet wet as a freshman, thought he held his own. At, at a young age who's really been looking good for us this past fall and, and as we enter into the spring uh, campaign, I've uh, been very pleased with him. And, uh, you know, there's a couple other guys that we're still kind of kind of looking at uh, that, that possibly could be in the mix. One from two years ago, Walker Powell, who set out last year because of a second uh, Tommy John surgery, you know, we return him and he's looked really good on the mound. So, those are our, kind of our five options as far as starters go. So I know, you know, Matt Walner was uh, not just one of, the, you know, the biggest stories on your team or in, in Conference USA last year, but one of the coolest and, and, and brightest stories in the country last year, uh, a freshman that made his way to Hattiesburg uh, via the, the, the great North Midwest area. And, uh, you know, I know he, he dabbled a little bit on the mound, or I guess you dabbled with him a little bit on the mound last year with really good results. But here's a guy that's, I mean, he's he's first-team All-America type bat. I know he's going to anchor your lineup this year. So how much how much do you do uh, how much do you do with Walner on the mound this year, or, or do you just kind of like play it by ear? Well, right now we're kind of playing it by ear. Uh, to be honest, we did not throw him at all in the fall. We let that hip and uh, low back where it connects in there kind of clean itself up. We did a lot of core strengthening in that area to try to create some support around there that he was having trouble only off the mound. You know, it didn't bother him to hit, but it, it bothered him to throw. So last year he was very exciting. You know, a guy, a true freshman that threw 93 to 95. I mean, he sat 93-95 and touched several 97s. With, uh, with two really, really power pitches with his fastball and his slider. But kind of had a setback with that, with that discomfort in his hip. So we set him all fall. Uh, he came back from Christmas break, really anxious and eager to get back on the mound and, and start over. So we've had a couple of bullpens with him, and he's looked really, really well. But, you know, he's a guy that's going to be every day in our lineup in the middle of the order as a hitter. We're going to move him from center field to right field and uh, which he's adjusted very well this past fall doing that. So we're excited to have him back for a sophomore year. How much do you have to account for or adjust to as a coach when you have a guy like a Walner, for example, who obviously he's got a ton of professional potential. But for you, I mean, here's a guy that hits a ton and he hits for all kinds of power and he can drive in runs, he gets on base, uh, he's steady hand in the outfield. But at the same time, 
the thing that may carry him on, I mean, if you got a guy that can hit 97, and it doesn't even matter if he can, you know, throw it into the ocean from the pier, if he can hit 97, scouts are going to be everywhere. H- how do you judge you know, what's best for an individual's future versus your very own? Because bottom line, you got you got to win games. If you don't stack wins, then you're out of a job. So how do, how do you balance those two? Well, you know, it's pretty easy. You know, number one, you don't get a lot of two-way guys that are capable of doing that. Everybody in high school is a two-way guy that <laughs> are the best players. We all know that. But when you get at this level, the demands on, on the sport and, and the development – you know, really, really take a very strong individual, not only physically but mentally, to uh, to handle that and be able to compete and, and be successful at this level doing both. With Matt, you know, certainly we know he's going to be in the lineup uh, 100% as a hitter. You know, it may be a situation where we might DH him and let him pitch him and let him DH that game. So I'm not really worried about that. As far as what his future is going to be in baseball, Honestly, that's going to be the guys that uh, in, in pro ball that are going to have to make that decision. And it's going to be a tough one because, you know, he's 6'5", 235 pounds. Uh, he's touching 97 as a part-time guy on the mound. You know, what could he do if he was full-time? But on the same hand, you have a true freshman that just hit 19 home runs for you who has tremendous power from the left side. Man, I don't know. That's going to be a tough one on them, I can assure you. <laughs> right. <laughs> for me, he's going to do both. At six five two thirty, I'm surprised Coach Hobson didn't hanging around seeing what he could do with a football. Hey, that's the only one we close our practice to is Coach Hobson. We don't let him in here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we're speaking with Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. Last year, uh, your your team uh, uh, as a club hit over three hundred. You had uh, what is it, seven regulars that hit over uh, three hundred. Some into the high three thirties. Uh, Gidry three sixty. So. This year, offensively, um, how, how are you planning on, on building your lineup this year? How much of this do you get back? And, uh, and, and what are you excited about? I know you guys have continued to recruit at a really high level. What are there some of the young guys that you're excited about, about getting into the mix? Well, you know, of course, we return Mason Herbie. We're going to move him from right to left. And we talked about Walner going from center to right. And we're going to move Slater from left into first base. Um, Dylan Bordeaux played a terrific first base force last year, was a Conference USA Player of the Year, uh, offensively took his game in his fourth year to uh, a, a very high level. So we're going to miss that bat in the order, uh, particularly in that leadoff spot. But Slater's done well over at first, and he's going to be backed up by a junior college kid named Eric Hoard out of Brandon, Mississippi. Uh, via Jones Junior College. Uh, you know, behind the plate, we'll return our catcher, Cole Donaldson, who's a very good catch-and-throw guy, very athletic. And then up the middle, you know, you'll return your shortstop, LaMarcus Boyd, uh, senior from uh, Northwest Community College. And, and then in the, uh, the other side, with Gidry at second base, backed up by Stormy Cooper. Uh, both of those are very good players. At third, I'm really excited. It's, uh, it's a young man named Luke Reynolds who has actually set out the last two college seasons. He was a transfer uh, to us, and uh, he, uh, he actually had to sit out all last year. But he's, he'll play third base, has played a very good third base uh, in fall, a left-hand hitter with a lot of pop, and uh, can, can really handle the bat there. 
Now, I, I want to ask you about your schedule this year. I know you know last year had to be uh, a, a lot of fun, regardless of what the the ultimate outcome was. But it was to have Mississippi State and Southern Miss battle it out for championships uh, in your park uh, on your campus with all the fans and everything. Um, that was a great experience for Mississippians, I know. You have them coming right back to Pete Taylor Park to start the season for a three-game set this year. Uh, Tell me a little bit about how you went about setting up your non-conference schedule this year. Well, obviously, RPI tries to play into everything that you're doing schedule-wise because at the end of the year, that's what the selection committee is going to base the majority of their decisions on who are not automatic qualifiers for, for the NCAA tournament. There's only 64 teams that advance after the uh, the regular season is done. And, you know, certainly you want to be in a position. And a lot of that has to do with your non-conference schedule. So, And there's no crystal ball in how somebody's RPI is going to be. You kind of run a four-year history on each team that you're looking at, and you just kind of take that average of that four years, and that, that kind of gives you an idea where they possibly could be or should be and, and hopefully a little bit better. But, you know, this year is no different. We start off with Mississippi State at, at home here at Pete Taylor Park. Everybody's excited about that. I think college baseball has it rated as the number one opening series of the year, uh, and rightfully so, you know, in a state that loves baseball. You know, I tell people all the time, Jay, you can take the big, biggest three schools that play baseball in each state and nobody outdraws total attendance for the three schools uh, outside of Mississippi, you know, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And, man, I mean, you don't stop there. You go to Delta State with a tremendous program there, William Carey, Bellhaven. It's it's all over across the state. So baseball is very, very big, and we're all very proud of that. And We all share the investment in it, whether you're a state fan, Ole Miss fan, or Southern Miss fan. We all have that investment. So, uh, you know, the second weekend we were supposed to be at home with Stony Brook, but some unfortunate things happened, and we are not playing them now. So we have to go on the road to Stephen F. Austin, who I'm just grateful to let us get in there because at one time I didn't think we were going to be able to play that weekend. And, and you talk about a disaster when you're trying to get everybody in a routine from one week to the next, and yeah. all of a sudden you're faced with maybe not playing on a weekend. That's that's not good, because it certainly doesn't do you any good for the third, fourth, and continuing weekends from there. So grateful that they let us in. Third weekend we go to Pensacola in a tournament there that has Ohio State, Eastern Michigan, and Nickel State. And then we finish up at home in the fourth weekend with Georgia Southern, who uh, last year was runner-up in the Sun Belt Conference to South Alabama. So we feel like that it's a very, very strong non-conference schedule with teams built in around midweek games with South Alabama in there, Tulane, all regional teams that are that are going to be good RPIs as well. How frantic was the chase? And it's it's insane to almost think that politics somehow or another could work its way down to – wrecking your college baseball schedule but uh and and it was i don't think a lot of people realize how extremely extremely yeah. late in the game it was how frantic was the the chase to find another opponent or set of opponents for that weekend well it was pretty rough i won't lie to you <laughs> uh, you know and i don't know what stony brook is doing i mean he he was sick just like me i mean i kept telling people if it was up to the coaches we'd be playing this thing yeah you know don't blame him <laughs> don't blame you know that's not where it is but and you're right it's unfortunate politics does has entered into college baseball but it is what it is but 
Yes, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that said, man, I hate it, wish we could help you, but don't really know what to do, and, and, and they weren't able to go there with us. But, you know, it's kind of funny, Jay, because back in 2012, we were supposed to host Stony Brook here, and they got snowed in. That's when they had that big nor- nor'easter yeah. there, and they couldn't get out. And we had to jump in in McNeese down there at their tournament, and they let us in that year. So both times we've tried to play Stony Brook, it hasn't come about, so we probably just not supposed to we happen. Probably won't. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen anymore. So. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time this morning again, and uh, I know lots of folks are looking very forward to to your. 2018 campaign starts with Mississippi State at home, and uh, you guys are basically universally ranked in the in the 27,000 college baseball polls that have a top 25 already, and uh, you guys are pretty much in all of them. So, congratulations on the early season accolades, and uh, we look forward to seeing what you guys do this year. Well, Jay, thanks, and thanks for all of Mississippi and how they support baseball from the little league level all the way to our level. I mean, it's. It's uh, it, it's something that has just become part of the tradition in Mississippi, and uh, everybody expects for a Mississippi team to be there as we do too. So thanks. Great to have Scott Barry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, on the program. When we come back, we'll speak with Greg Eluteris. He'll be back on the program. He's the athletic director for the City of Biloxi Parks and Recreation. And we'll talk to him about the beginnings of baseball, not Cooperstown, but T-ball across the Mississippi Gulf Coast and in Biloxi right there. I'm Jay White here with producer Liz Gill. This is MPB Season Pass. We'll be back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. When you go to mpbonline.org forward slash season pass, there's a purple button that says subscribe. If you click it, it'll get you started to have a season pass at your fingertips, whatever you'd like. Uh, we've spoken with Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer Bob Braddy on the program today and Southern Miss Golden Eagle head baseball coach Scott Barry. And now, kind of on the flip side of the game of baseball, We've invited onto the show Greg Eluteris, back with us again, the Athletics Director for the City of Biloxi Parks and Recreation Department. Uh, Greg, thank you for your time this morning. How are you? I'm doing fine, Jay. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you again. Um, tell me about uh, the, the, the T-ball that you have in Biloxi. Is, this must be maybe not in the setting up of the league and the logistics, but uh, just being able to get out to the park and see – uh, the 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 little guys and girls out there on the field playing and running around and having a good time. This must be one of the most rewarding parts of your job. 
It is. It is, especially when you have opening day and you see all the little ones in the uniforms and fresh fields, and and they're just ready to go at it. And uh, it's, it's a real, it's a real joy to watch that uh, those young start their careers, if you will, in in sports. Uh, we started age four in Biloxi with t balls, t ballers, and then five and six also play t the ball. The four year olds play uh, predominantly more of an introductory uh, lesson into the game. Where your five and sixes here in Biloxi are a little more competitive, where you have you know scores kept and, and, and standings and stuff of that nature. I was going to ask you about that because I can remember when I was a kid and I played t-ball, they kept score, and uh, when I coached my niece, now this has been I don't know like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years ago, they kept score in those games. But I know it's been a growing trend for a long time now to not keep score in those games. Does that make it any less? Uh, enjoyable for the the players or the parents or the coaches or or anybody. Well, what we found here in Biloxi is uh, this year we're gonna we've had our four and five year olds in an age group uh, division by themselves, um, and then have our six year olds separated. But this year we're gonna do it just the opposite. We're gonna put our four year olds by themselves where we will not keep score, and our five and sixes where we will keep score. And as long as there's parents, there will be there will be scores kept, whether it's in the stands. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and so so we've come to realize that, to realize that we need to make sure that we keep it structured, and and it does you know five and six we do it we you know we keep competitive scores in our football and our basketball so in our baseball we'll do it as well. What kind of participation do you have? How many do, do, is it is it one park or do you have a couple of different parks? How do you have that set up? Yeah, in Biloxi we have uh, one one league. It's the Biloxi Youth Baseball League. Uh, we play the franchise of Cal Ripken franchise here in Biloxi. Um, we probably will have anywhere between 120 to 160 kids in the four, five, and six-year-old age group this year. So, big number of kids, big teams. Um, you know, so we, you know, 10 to 12 teams will have uh, between those uh, two divisions. Is that uh, 160 players? Is that is that uh, is that a decline from what it normally is, or is it is it building up? How's that working for y'all? I know yeah, you've been working Katrina, hard with the department. Uh, our numbers have, have have stayed pretty good in the baseball and soccer. Yeah. Um, uh, sports now our basketball uh, and our football, like we had talked back, in, I think September um, numbers are going down nationwide, and so I don't know if that's just you know, the, the, the norm now with football, but baseball numbers have always been good. You know, it's the great American sport, great American pastime. So uh, those numbers will always be good. I think. How do you go about uh, securing uh, coaches for the teams? How does that work? Well, the, the, our thing is, you know, if you sign your child up, we're always looking for volunteer coaches. So um, in baseball and softball, we usually have very, little hard time, you know, getting someone to help us coach. So they'll fill out a background um, information uh, application. We go through the background procedures, and uh, once they've gotten cleared for that, they're ready to go, and we'll give them a team. And um, usually in T-ball, I tell everybody, they'll, they'll always ask, well, how many assistant coaches can I have? I say, well, how many players do you have? <laughs> they have 15. We'll have 15. You know, we want every parent to be involved because that's a handful of four-year-old kids and five- and six-year-olds. It can be hurting cats, indeed. It can be. So let let me ask you about, uh, do you have umpires for the games, and how how do you go about uh, uh, assigning or or getting that or qualifying to to do that? 
Yeah, we have a uh, – in our four-year-olds, we do not have umpires. Mm-hmm. Um, the coaches basically run that. They'll play once a week, and they'll get, you know, the bat twice a game, and it's about a 45-minute game. Um, but in our five- and six-year-olds, we do have uh, umpires, and we have a local group of umpires that handle all of our uh, assignment of games. And, you know, it's competitive, and it really gets competitive when they go to all-stars. Um, unfortunately, you know, five- and six-year-olds, uh, in my opinion, is too young. But, uh, you know, <laughs> right. uh, others others feel different. And um, so we, the, with Kyle Ripken us playing that, uh, that's one of their all-star divisions. And so it's real competitive. And, you know, there's some really good baseball and softball being played. Our softball plays ASA here in Biloxi. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to, you know, not talk about them a little bit because they also have T-ball um, at ages uh, four, five, and actually five and six of them. There's a few four-year-olds will play, but mostly uh, five and six are the T-ball for our softball program. Do, do at what point do the the guys and the girls kind of split off? I know they don't have to at any point necessarily, right? But at what point no. do you kind of see that? Yeah, no, they uh, they will they will play together uh, for more more than anything convenience for parents mm-hmm. um, at the younger age groups, four, five, six-year-olds. But once they get out of the six-year-olds, and the girls will start going to a coach pitch softball underhand and the boys will go to a sling arm machine at seven and eight so that by seven years old is when the age group they split uh there's been a few in the past that have played uh girls have played with, with the baseball league um all the way through and um and we welcome that out of, you know each, anytime they want to play they're more than welcome to come play if anyone wants to oh, I, I meant i meant to ask you do you have a witness protection plan for your umpires also uh no we got a pretty good group of umpires though so <laughs> Uh, we do have a zero tolerance policy with parents. If, if, if parents, you know, we have someone at the at the site along with, you know, board members at the fields every night. So uh, wow. you know, knock on some wood. We, we, you know, we see something. You know, we just tell them, hey, it's a game. Right. You know, we, just, we want them to have fun. We want you to have a little fitness involved, but we want you to have lifelong friends. And I'm 46 years old, and I've got lifelong friends that I can call on this day that I play little league baseball with over 35 years ago. So Absolutely. Um, that's what we're trying to strive for, you know, have some fun, fun, and then lifelong friends. Are you still taking registration for players? How's that going about? Yeah, actually, we start this Saturday uh, in Biloxi at, our, at the Donald Snyder Center from 9 to noon. Uh, we'll be registering our baseball and our softball leagues. Um, they can be there registering. Also, they can go online for the baseball. They can go to BiloxiYouthBaseball.com and register online there. Well, for the girls' softball, they go to BiloxiSoftball.com and register there online. All right. Hey, Greg, thank you so much for your time again. It's great to have you back on. All right, Jay. Thank you. Have a nice day. All right, Greg Elutaris, Athletics Director for the City of Biloxi Parks and Rec Department, talking about T-ball. It's that time. I'll tell you what, the the T-ball team that I coached, and this was a while back, there were some coaches, <laughs> I mean, they were so competitive that they – would try to line the best hitters up to the part of, I mean, like sideways in the batter's box to point them toward the, the part of the field where they felt like the worst or the youngest or the not the most not paying attention kids were. And I'm like, man, this is not going in the baseball encyclopedia. No one will remember this after we leave today. But I mean, some folks, I, I guess there's, there's, there's got to be some sort of positive about being that competitive. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. All right. We'll take a break. Good stuff there. I would love to be able to see uh, some T-ball this year. Watch the parents freak out. (laughs) 
All right, we'll wrap it up when we come back. This is MPB Season Pass. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I am Jay White. A couple things going on in the state of Mississippi I want to tell you about. Job fair at MGM Park. We've mentioned this a couple times. Bloxy Shuckers are uh, looking for folks uh, to work during the 2018 baseball season. I'll have a new uh, uh, general manager and a new director director of um, um, marketing and public relations and a play-by-play guy. Uh, he is moving up to Pearl to work with the Mississippi Braves. So congratulations to him. But anyway, this job fair at MGM Park, Tuesday, next Tuesday, January the 30th, 4 to 7 p.m. MGM Park is uh, 906 Beach Boulevard in uh, Biloxi. They're hiring um, ticket takers, grounds crew, bat boy and girl, uh, and a mascot. Those are all fun jobs, or can be in certain ways. Those also can be hot jobs. Of course, it's the summertime, and you're on the Gulf Coast, so it'll be hot regardless. But that, those can be fun, uh, a lot of fun. Being the mascot can be a lot of fun. Uh, the grounds crew is is fun work if you're a baseball dork like me. Bat boy and girl, that could be like, that's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of kind of job to get. Uh, and so and then ticket takers, you, you greet all the customers every single game. So that's cool, too. Liz, I know you found a T-ball quiz that's right when uh, uh i the whole idea of t-ball it's just amusing my little my kids did it uh and i think they want to make sure that it's fun and we need to remind the parents that it's fun so okay jay we're going to hit a couple of these which of these equipment items should not be used during your t-ball practice a beach ball <laughs> a hula hoop a shot put or a batting tee which one of those should not be? Should not. Oh. Um, shot put? That's right. They, they use hula hoops <laughs> and beach balls to practice. Uh, really? They do. Um, uh, batting order in T-ball should be based on players' batting averages, current hitting streaks, rotation ensuring every player has a chance to lead off, and players' slugging percentages. I'll take C. Everybody having a chance. Okay, and T. Here we go. Last one. T. Ballers will cheer when a teammate hits the ball, a teammate catches the ball, all parents when a parent brings uh, post game <laughs> snacks, yes. and all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> Basically, when anything happens at any point in the game, everybody goes nuts, and uh, it's so funny. There's there's so many players on the teams sometimes that you have. I mean, they're just scattered about, really, the players are. I mean, there's not so much specific players at any one position. I guess on the infield, you kind of have to keep some sort of uh, some, well, some sort of a – You can't set up a wall of yeah. players on the infield. But in the outfield, oh, man. Four-year-olds, you're still teaching them the concept of standing in line. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But, man, there is uh, – and uh, uh, Jason Klein, our, our director of radio – uh, was telling me one of his one of the funniest parts to him is like 
you get you get kids that have developed at different rates, and so sometimes you get these teeny tiny kids, but they're age eligible, so they can play. And it's everything that this, these teeny tiny uh, kids can do just to get the bat off their shoulder. And uh, but they'll swing it, and you'll get the teeniest tiniest dink, <laughs> and the ball will basically fall off the tee. And roll forward a couple of feet, and then uh, they sling the bat harder than they've ever swung it in their life, and uh, run for their life in probably any of five general directions, hopefully first base. And everybody's just totally cool with it, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Well, I think baseball is so important. Softball, it's a fun thing to do with your family, to play, just to play in the backyard, to go out to a ballpark. That is some of the best fun you can have for your whole family at a good price and and teaching little kids to enjoy it. Not that it's a chore, but it's something fun to do. I think that's a win. Absolutely it is. And it's... um it is interesting to see how, um, at a specific age, the competition level and the seriousness of the whole thing ramps up quickly and significantly. Uh, and even look, I, I, I coached a, a minor league team, and I don't. Every different organization and different park has different names for all these leagues, but that it was eight, nine year olds, and for so many of the coaches, I, it was just yeah. It was crazy to me how, how many of them wanted to win the league. And I'm like, if we win the league, that's cool. But I'm like, who all wants to pitch? And if every player raises their hand, i got to figure out a way to get everybody to pitch equally. Because it doesn't matter how they pitch right now when they're 8 or 9 years old. It's can we make somebody right now who loves pitching so much that 10 years from now they're still doing it. Uh, at least that's the way I looked at it. And it's, 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 it's more fun that way because you're not – you're not putting so much pressure on yourself. Great show today, as always. My thanks to Bob Braddy for coming in studio. That was awesome. Find the show at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens is next. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.